So we say yes, 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 so we say yes. Is anybody out there saying yes to God? Jesus, bless your holy name. We come before you, God, as your children, and you're redeemed, and we thank you, God, for all that you're doing. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you today. We ask that you would pour your spirit out upon us. You would be with us. You'd open up your word. You'd speak to our hearts, God. Our minds and our hearts would receive of you, and we would be transformed today, God, so we could prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We know, God, that is what this world is dying and crying for, is the revelation of the perfect will of God. And you've called us here for this purpose, so we thank you in advance, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so it's sort of weird in notes in the, in the future, if someone remind me that the first half of this uh, te small teaching is actually attached to the back half of the last teaching, as far as the notes you have. And we did, it's interesting, in the last teaching... We had addressed the, the issue of lies many, many times. In fact, it's actually a theme throughout all of Scripture. It starts in Genesis in the Garden, and it goes all the way through to the book of Revelation, the final chapters. It is the warfare and the campaign of the enemy. He's all about lies. And that's why this needs to be in us as an awareness and a conviction and a, a place where we understand there's lines we can't cross as saints. It's also required of us, you know, like it says, to be diligent, to study the word of God, to be approved, rightly dividing it. Because sometimes we'll say things that aren't true. Everything you say that's not true is not necessarily a lie, it, but it's not true. And it, and it could veer into that. And it ends a lot of false doctrines, a lot of false teachings. There's good people. I've taught things wrong over the years. I'm still learning. I've been teaching for 40 or more of the 50 years that we've been Christians, I'm still learning. So if someone teaches something that is not... For years, I thought the, the, the Romans were going to be, you know, it's going to be the revived Roman Empire. When we get to Daniel, you're going to see just how clearly the scriptures provide an accurate account of, of who is going to be leading the charge and which of the nations. I'm listening also to the, the audible copy of Mideast Beast, just the first two chapters of that are strikingly spectacular in their accuracy. There's so many things, and you know, and we know the way God has set the word up for us is if you're diligent and you press in, there's more to discover. So that sometimes it, it meant an inaccurate teaching in the past. It's not necessarily a lie, but the, the issue of lies really has to do, for the most part, it has to do with intentional. It's an intentional non-truth. Here, when in Titus, we're looking at this in the an earlier teaching. Paul is writing, and he's talking about the, the island of Crete, and their culture was a culture of lying. It literally, then, it, back then, it was a culture. It sounds almost like he's just ripping on him. Well, he is. He, but he's saying truth because he's saying to someone, in, uh, a leader of the church on this island, this, is gonna, this will destroy the work and this will erode or corrupt the work of God when lies come in. Listen to what Paul says to Titus. Titus chapter 1, verse 10. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, meaning Jewish believers. And, Jewish, uh, and Jews maybe who weren't even believers at the time, but they're on the island whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Now he's talking about the people on Crete, the culture. 
One of them, a prophet of their own, says, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. That's a pretty horrible uh, description of a culture. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. A lot of what's being spoken, even these days, by because everybody's religious antenna are up around the world right now because something's happening in, happening in the spiritual realm. It's places, sadly, like who are worshiping um, at the shopping center or at the Mercedes dealer, if you will. It, it's, it's the materialistic societies that are not aware that this is a spiritual condition. But the Islamics are aware of it, the Hindus are aware of it, the Jewish people are aware of it, there are cults that are aware of it, there's crimes being committed even in the name of Jesus by demonic cults, because everybody's are sensitive to the frequencies that are happening right now on earth in these days. And so he's saying this is, I mean Crete was like this, and then he goes on, he says a lot of it is Jewish fables, a lot of it is Christian fables now. There are things in church that are propagated as truth, and they're not, and they're fables. He says, don't go there. And then he goes on and he says, verse 16, they profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. That's brutal. Can you imagine living on Crete, and you've been taught this culture, and, then, and you happen to read this guy's letter? You think, who is this guy? And you think, it's Paul. Paul the Apostle. So this is a warning that comes out to us, and just like all the other wickedness on earth that will increase in these days, this will increase to the place of full bloom, full maturity. So the past few weeks, you know, I've mentioned that lies and fake news began in the garden. So it's very funny because when I went, to, I, what I do is I send you guys the links, which really, if you would download the app on Podbean, you could automatically get. You don't need the links, but I do it every week because I'm in this performance thing of doing it so it's good and you have it but I also posted on Facebook on the easy 3728 site and they do this instant scan when you post anything I mean they their computational power is frightening on and Facebook, yeah, on Facebook yeah and they said to me we, we won't post this because it uh, it basically breaches it doesn't adhere to the rules of the community so this is a test even what I'm saying right now they probably won't post this either and that's okay because I might have mentioned the word, fake news. Fake news, fake news, fake news. So <laughs> this is a test. Okay. So we began this critical series. It's very brief. It'll be probably be done this morning. If not, well, no, it'll be done this morning. No matter how long we have to be here. <laughs> what we concluded the Pentecost and the outpouring, and we'll take up from where we left off last week. So the first lies were in the Garden of Eden by the serpent, who's known as Satan, who's known as the deceiver, who's also known as the accuser of the brethren, which in, in fact is a lie as well. So he will accuse God to you, your wife to you, your pastor to you, your neighbor to you, if he's a believer, but he'll accuse everybody to you. He loves disrupting holy relationships. So he will lie. And so what we see here is that it's interesting because he struck up a conversation with Eve. And he contradicted the truth that God had spoken to Adam. Eve wasn't even created when God spoke to Adam and told him not to eat of the fruit. So Adam obviously had conveyed that to her. Now, whether God had also said to him, don't touch it or not, we don't really know. We I'm sure God didn't just come down and say six words and leave, but we don't know. But it could be either way. We don't know. But, and we're going to look at the Genesis account again. But it's interesting because 
Here's the reiterating of the truth here. So what happens is Adam obviously conveyed to Eve and and that relationship of him speaking to her, what God had spoken to him is actually a prophetic model of what Paul tells us in Ephesians. Chapter five, verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So that's our bar. Purpose, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, meaning the church, but the husband, the wife, with the washing of water by the word. Speaks volumes about a perfect setup. Plan A is that you're in the word together. The man is taking a lead in humility. It doesn't mean the wife might not even be an amazing Bible scholar and student, but it's just saying what it says. So this would be the this would be perfect plan. So here's the garden account in its revealed order. Genesis 2. Verse 15, then the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. This is the very beginning of the book. This is the second chapter of the book of creation. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. It was a spiritual death he was talking about, that's obvious. And the Lord God said, it is not good the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So then he, then with just a little brief interlude, and Adam, he speaks out really for the first time, and he names the animals, which is so cool. And then woman is created. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep. So this, by the way, is the first surgery and the first anesthesia. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Thank you, God, for anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. So the deception by the deceiver and Adam, having obviously conveyed to Eve what the Lord had told him, she was part of him. So they were one and they were called to live in a place of unity. Again, plan A. Now, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat, we collectively, both of them, it was given to all of mankind basically, um, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. I have a tendency to think she might have been telling the truth there. That she, I, I, don't think, I don't think man had bought into lies yet. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So here we are. Here's a liar. So just like sin isn't new, lying is not new. It's pretty much been the entire storyline of Scripture. We have to be aware of that because if we see a church that's going to walk in power in these days, we have to be walking in truth. We have to have such a conviction for truth in these days that we don't step over those lines. No, again, you say, so, oh no, it's gonna to rain today, and then you, but your app hadn't updated and it says uh, high in the 90s and sunny. That's not a lie. I mean, we had, we had a woman who lived with us with her kids for a while and she had said to the kids, I'll take you to McDonald's when I come back from work. And she, so I forget, she had a flat tire, she had stuff came up and the kid says, you lied. And she was sort of simple in those kind of things. She'd say, well, he, he said I lied. And we said, you didn't lie. There were things that plans change. That's not a lie. So we have to, you know, we have to lighten up a little bit, okay? And we know that the word of God is true. This is clear. This is inarguable. We know man has transcribed it. We know that different translations will take a Hebrew word and, and see it in a different light. And so there's a couple of things that we're called to address in that. 
but the word itself is perfect. And as you press into it, the word fits. It fits well. It coexists with itself. It testifies of itself. Psalm 19 is critical. The law of the Lord is perfect, verse 7, converting the soul. It converts your soul. It does. It makes some kind of shift in you. You know, when you talk about something like transgender, where they're trying to make shifts, they make you different, the spiritual shift that occurs in you really comes from the Word of God. It will shift you. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Altogether, without argument. It's interesting. We had a president several presidents ago who said that all these things evolve, that God evolves, his laws evolve. It's bogus. It's absolutely bogus. It's not progress. And it also says it's more to be desired than gold, yea, than fine gold. And that's one of the temptations is profit, prosperity. So we want to try to manipulate everything else and place it as a higher priority than the word of God, who is Jesus. And so God will allow us to even be tested sometimes. Is, you know, we know people who have said things because they would lose their job if, they, if they'd lose their career if they didn't lie. It's a test. And it's not going to get easier because we're seeing a world that's getting more corrupt. And if you're called into that place of lying, then it means you, you, you have a choice to make. And I've made choices. I know many of you have made very hard choices in life about lying or not lying. You, it's in, in love we have to say... Um, I can't lie. Warm cold there. And later, that scripture in, Psalms, uh, in Psalm 19 ends up, it says, sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb, moreover by them, meaning by the word of God, and by the things that are in it, the precepts, the laws, the ordinances, your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there's a great reward. So it's a preemptive strike, actually. The warning says don't go there. We're being warned in this teaching not to do it. So given the value of truth, we can understand why Satan is all over it, because he is a liar, and the best thing he could do, if he can't simply get you to go out and do something heinous, if, at least if he could sell you lies, he could start eroding the truth that is in you, which is why we just have to be careful and prayerful. And if it doesn't align with the word of God, it doesn't matter who taught it. It doesn't matter if I taught it. It doesn't matter if Paul taught it. It doesn't matter if someone where you're going to church right now. It doesn't matter. It's secondary to the word of God. So much of this is done in ignorance, but the concept of intentionally spreading deceit or something of culture, people say, well, that's what we believe. I always say, well, let's see. Let's see what the Word of God says. I've been challenged some places where I've taught. I said, let's just see what the Word of God says. I am accountable to speak the Word of God. And they'd go, oh, no, no, that's okay. I thought, it's, actually, it's not okay. It's actually right, not. Because if you're wrong, you want to know. I know. I mean, I'm in huge jeopardy. Yeah. James warns a teacher about that. And I thought, tell me if I'm wrong. Please challenge me on this. If I can, I need to get sort. I need to get things sorted out. I, I think this is uh, it, the, the teaching that we're going to be doing on Daniel. I'm, it's not. It's probably not going to be a billion weeks, and I'm not going to go into a lot of the historical depth. But it'll probably be the most accurate. It'll be the most accurate because I'm learning more. And we're living in a time, we, I taught Daniel just a few years ago since we moved here. And I'm going back into it because I feel the Lord is in. I've never done that after two a big, long book teaching two years after I taught it the first time or second time. Paul speaks of false apostles. 2 Corinthians 2.11, verse 12. But what I do, I will also continue to do, 
that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, who end will be according to their works. That's in church. That's in the first century. So it wasn't like everything started off perfect. I mean, they were dealing with the humanity and the open doors of deception from the get-go. We see it when Jesus is speaking with Pilate, and it literally has a massive impact upon Pilate that Jesus spoke truth and was truth. And, and we see that Pilate's trying to let Jesus off the hook. We're going to look at that later. So I'm just saying, and I don't want to get caught up in a whole long thing here, but I was thinking that there's probably, literally, there's no book in both Testaments that doesn't address the issue of lies and truth. It's a theme consistent through the book. Because this is the warfare, the lie that if you kill the people in the next country and take over their natural resources, you'll be happier. I mean, I mean, it's the story of mankind. It's, a, it's all about lies. It doesn't mean everybody's a liar, and it doesn't mean everybody has evil intent. But it, lies are being propagated. And this whole return of the gods scenario where we're seeing things happening on earth, these deceptive spirits, they're all coming right out of the pit of hell. One of them of interest is First Timothy, where Paul is talking to his, you know, his spiritual son in chapter 1, verse 3, going on to 7. As I urge you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they, te that they teach no other doctrine, no other teachings, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. This is in church. He's saying, don't go there. First of all, it's a waste of time, but stop them. You have to stop them because if, if, the, if truth isn't spoken and taught, the only thing people are going to hear are lies. So we have to counter that by speaking truth. And you have to be a fountain of truth. That's what God's called us to be, as fountains of truth. Nor give heed to fables. Okay, okay, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. So it's basically, you're just laying it out. You're just being holy. You have, you're sincere. You love people. Your motive is not to impress people with your knowledge or your wisdom, but, but part of it is you love these people in sincerity and in truth, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they, neither what they say nor things which they affirm. Those are lies. At, bet, at best, they're ignorance. So we're called to this place of responsibility. That's why we study to show ourselves approved. Peter also says in uh, chapter two, in Second Peter chapter two, but there were also false prophets among the people, meaning in the Old Testament days, consistently, the popular prophets were the ones that saying everything's cool. God's not going to judge us. We're not going to be held accountable. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even to the place, even to the extent of denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. They're going to take themselves out. There's people who die early because of lies. It's, a, it's suicide. It's spiritual suicide to intentionally lie. 
as a, as a someone ministering God. It's spiritual suicide. And here's the problem. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. What you end up is the Ezekiel 39 story again. You've got people who are supposed to be representing God and they're misrepresenting him and they end up in trouble and their life story of trouble actually uh, erodes the whole story of the goodness of God. When we're living in trouble because God is constantly having to discipline his people, and then we go out and preach the gospel and they see the lies we're living. It doesn't mean all of our trouble comes from lies. It doesn't mean it all comes from our sin. But some does, because God uses discipline on earth to correct us. He says, but our testimony is eroded when, when, there's no, when something's wrong. And he says, so here are these false prophets coming in with an agenda. The people don't know the word of God. They're not fortified with truth. They believe it, and because of them, the way of truth gets blasphemed. And it becomes a weak, ineffective gospel, which then turns people who don't know God, but they're spiritually hungry, to demon worship. Because they see power and authority in demon worship, and they don't see power, they see a, a, literally a limp church. So the entire book of God is truth. So backing, you know, backing off this little bunny trail of the whole book, all the, all the letters, or, you know, all the writings. Here's uh, John 8. Here's Jesus speaking. Verse 42. Jesus said to them, he's talking to Jewish religious leaders. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. I just didn't have a great idea one day in heaven that I think it's time to go down there and do some business. Why do you not understand my speech? because you are not able to listen to my word. You have your father the devil. Can you imagine standing there in your rabbi robe? <laughs> and this guy, this carpenter, says, you're of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Now, he was a liar from the beginning. He wasn't really a murderer if you look at it really effectively, but it, it all comes down to death. Sin brings death. So he was actually bringing death into the world when he lied about eating of the fruit. He was a murderer from the beginning. And actually the first interaction, of, the first sin of a man against another man was murder. He was, a murder from, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. That's where lies come from. So when you hear something that's clearly a lie, where did it come from? It did not come from God. So the truth tells us that lies come from the father of lies and not from our father. And the question is, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? Who are we representing here? We're called, he's our father and our father who art in heaven. By the way, his name is not Art. Okay? <laughs> they don't call him Art in heaven. Okay, Our father who's in heaven Holy is your name. He's talking about truth. So he's saying, your father is, a, when, when you are walking in lies and deceit, especially intentionally, you're, you're really serving Satan. doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter about your ecumenical degrees. It doesn't matter. I mean, the people he's talking to were learned rabbis. They knew a whole lot more than Peter knew. Peter got lit up after the outpouring that we just studied and preached a gospel message and 3,000 people got saved. I mean, that's the fire of God speaking truth out of your mouth. 
Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear because you're not of God. Wow. It sort of looks like these people are eternally damned, but that's not true because we know that the grace that God applies on earth sends forth in the gospel message of evangelism is so that people could break through that because it sort of looks like you're, you're here so you're toast. But there's a verse in Luke that says that the Pharisees rejected the will of God for themselves. His will is that none perish. But when you start making choices to live in lies, I sadly, I, I was a very convenient liar. I don't think I was like really wicked. I, I guess I'll know when I get there. But you know what I mean. As far as my my old my old records, I don't mean when I when I get judged. But I'm simply saying that um, it was just, for me. It was convenient. I was selfish and convenient. I would say whatever it took to say to what I thought to move forward my cause, which was usually sin and evil. So, but what he's saying here is you, you literally have to get out of that. And when the gospel is preached to you, God starts extending grace that you could get out of that thing. He wanted these Pharisees who he said were, you're the, your father the devil. Nicodemus. Nicodemus might have been standing here, right here. And Nicodemus, whose heart was burning with, with the gospel truth, but he's still a Pharisee. He was like chief rabbi. And he's hearing you're the father the devil. And he's probably thinking, I don't want to be my father the devil. And, and I'm, I mean, what an amazing conversion. So, so this is not, this is, this doesn't condemn someone to a hopeless damnation, but he's just saying, man, you got to get out of that. So again, when I grew up, I had a great family, wonderful parents. They did the best they could. They got saved before they passed on. Well, I get to see them again someday. If I stay faithful, I plan to. But, but, the, but I lived in a house where I saw convenience. I saw untruths. I saw exaggerations. I saw stories that I knew were completely inaccurate. And it just, I saw it worked. So I picked that up. Because my attorney... Who, who got saved in the last years of his life. Rick Schneider loved this man. He was like an amazing friend of mine, too. Loved him for like 20 some odd years. He was my attorney. He didn't get saved until he had a horrific, horrific motorcycle accident to put him in a wheelchair for the last 13 years of his life. And he used to be talking to other attorneys, and he'd say, Elliot does not lie, because he knew, because I, I don't lie. And it, was, and, it was, and, and it was, I believe, that had a huge impact on him getting saved. Because he was an attorney. Attorneys deal with liars all the time. They lie. You always call people call their attorneys their designated liars sometimes. So really, I mean, we have to be really careful here. John 14, Thomas says to Jesus, says to him, Lord, how, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, this, talk about end of, end of study here. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm everything you're to be living in. I'm the road that you're to walk on. And I'm 100% truth. No one comes to the Father except through me, which is truth as well. So you could dance around that any way you want. And there's a million words, you know, ways to God. I don't see that here. I see it that God's made it very clear, very simple, very accurate. That's the storyline. I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the only way to get to the Father. That's truth. Don't bend the gospel for anybody. You're not doing them a favor. You could extend their years in darkness. You, could, it, you don't want to do it. 
John 16. So now we know Jesus is dealing with departure in the in these in this gospel, and we know by the time he gets to 19, he's basically praying that you know for great unity in the church. So so we don't believe the lies that we hear about our brethren. We have to be very careful here. Who's talking to us? Who are we listening to? Some of our emotions will listen, will dial into lies. And there's things in my life as a minister and a teacher where I ran into some buzzsaws with leadership. And there are times now if I have something that will be going on in my life and I'll think, have I done anything wrong? Because I literally, I'm wounded. I was wounded by it. I, I know I'm trying to do my best. I'm happy I'm not a you know, broken mess much like any one of you guys no but i'm just saying that things impact us going forward we have to deal you have to get over it we have to get over those things so jesus is telling us this here we go back to the outpouring the, the outpouring of the holy spirit what's the purpose of the outpouring remember jesus said you know i baptize you know you were baptized with water i'm going to baptize you with fire we talked about a baptism of the holy spirit the scripture says, wait until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. It says, there's going to be a fire event that I want to, to, to pour down on every believer. Talk about, we were talking last night about, someone was talking about their Kentucky culture, and grandma would baptize the kids all the time in the lake. And they, she says, I got baptized countless times. But it was great. It was fun. You only need one if you want a second one, fine, or a 19th. Go for it. But the baptism that we want over and over again is the baptism of fire. That's the baptism that we want. So what does Jesus say? But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Well, that's not really true. We knew he just did. Thomas asked him. Uh-oh, was he telling a lie? He wasn't telling a lie. But he's basically saying, really, I mean, really, the real story is they're not really asking where he's going in that sense. But now I go away who's, to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where am I going? But because... I have said these things, you sorrows filled your heart. You think, yeah, I'm walking with the Savior. Yeah, and you're going to go away? Yeah, I'm, so, I'm not happy. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now we know I and the Father are one. Nobody could really draw a picture of the Trinity. I've never heard of I mean, we, we know we don't know. But they're, they're one, and yet there's a, there's a difference. There's differentiations between them. But he says, the helper, he says, I will send a helper to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. So the work of the Holy Spirit, which wants to reside in the lives and bodies of the saints, not Old Testament so much on them, but in them. This is an intimacy relationship that eluded most people in the Old Testament. You could say, well, you know, the one where, um, you know, La Bas, it says yeah, the, uh, the Spirit of God put him on like a glove, like possessed him. There were seasons of intense anointings. But God's saying, no, from, from the upper room, <clears throat> from the upper room to him coming back in the clouds, my intent was I'd have a church that was on fire, that was burning with the Holy Spirit anointing and a Holy Spirit righteousness and speaking Holy Spirit truth. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. That's the storyline of the eviction of the demons who were ruling earth and returning to God's. Read Jonathan Kong's book. It's painfully sober. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You're thinking, what? They couldn't bear them because they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. We are. We can bear them. 
This is the revelation of the Holy Spirit that God wants to put in our lives each day as we press in. It's, he's righteous. He's not going to change the format, praying without ceasing, living holy, gathering together, submitting one another in love, fleeing, uh, fleeing sin. But when you get in that place, he says, I want to reveal these things to you now. Paul tells us down in Corinthians as well that we, we have the mind of Christ. We can know what's going on because his spirit is in us when the Holy Spirit is in us. However, when he, so he's saying, I still have many things to say, but you can't bear them. You can't even carry the load of the revelation of heaven without the Holy Spirit in you. Were they saved? I'd say, this, I'd say the apostles, the disciples were saved. Did he place an anointing of power and healing upon him when he first sent him out? Yes, he did. But he's saying, I need you baptized in the spirit of truth. I need you, and I need you to stay baptized. It's, and, you know, it's the old story of like, you know, you get your time in with the Lord in the morning and then you take over and you live your whole day. It's not the way it's supposed to be. I still admit, however, you can't bear them now, but when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into how much truth? All truth. Why? For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He is going to be hearing it from the Father. There's a, there's a differentiation there. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, he, the Holy Spirit, will take of mine, Jesus, and will declare it to you, you Holy Spirit-infused people. We're supposed to be the messengers of truth on earth. We can't make room for lies in that place. It's an interesting reflection when you go back to my favorite passage, which I read every single week and have in every single teaching multiple times in 1 Peter 1, where he's talking about the Old Testament prophets as the anointing of God is coming upon them so that they could prophesy forward to reveal the things that have, at the time of people of Peter even writing this, these things, a lot of it had already occurred, meaning the arrival of a savior, the life of the savior, the crucifixion of the savior, the ascension of the savior, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the people. Peter says, of this salvation, the Old Testament prophets basically, past perfect tense, have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Now it's here. This is the grace that we walk in. He's full of grace and truth, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them. He was in them. The Holy Spirit was in them when they were writing. The anointing came on them and they wrote truth. They couldn't have known those things. That's why Porphyry worked up such a lather writing all those books saying the book of Daniel's a lie. It's not this. This is why the, the Jewish scholars don't have the book of Daniel uh, uh, aligned with the other books that they refer to as the prophets. They, they put it in like a, a lesser category called the writings because if they elevated it to where it ought to be, it tells you the whole story of the Savior. We're going to be looking at the whole story of the Savior when we, when we speak about Daniel. It, it, it convicts, it's like Isaiah 53, yes, of course, but the storyline and the timeline and who the bad guys are and what, how it comes down, it's in the book of Daniel. And Jesus, the truth, he says when these things begin to happen, go back and read Daniel. So we're seeing here, it, this whole warfare is against lies. It's, it's, it's us against lies and it's lies against the truth. Porphyry was a liar. Mm -hmm. Satan used Porphyry. I hope he got saved. I don't know. Deathbed salvation is wonderful. I heard Darwin got saved. Mm -hmm. 
We'll find out when we get there. I know Mickey Mantle got saved because Bobby Richardson ministered to him. Yeah, it was great. Okay, searching what okay, searching what what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that will follow. And then it says, to them it was revealed, and not to themselves, but to us they were ministering. So part of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, as he was upon the prophets, he was saying, you're ministering for people that you can't even envision. There's going to be a new era when the Savior comes, and there are going to be people who are, the, the, it's not going to be just the blood of lambs, and, and goats being acceptable as a propitiation, sort of like a, a payment, if you will, for their sin. He says, their sins are going to be remembered no more so that God could look at them as being holy vessels that could be fit to carry the Holy Spirit into an unholy world. That is a crazy opportunity for us. That's what we're called to be doing damage, not to be damaged. We're called to be doing damage. But to the degree that we compromise and... We know where that goes. So the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit, and the in his, and Holy Spirit in His perfect holiness is the Spirit of Truth. The outpouring of the Spirit of Truth in our days, per Joel two Acts two, tells us that these days, prior to the return, the outpouring demands requires holiness for that outpouring. That was the whole problem with uh, with. Ananias and Sapphira they exaggerated. The outpouring was so powerful, people's shadows would heal people. Like we, we heard an amazing story of, of someone playing a flute and a woman with cancer getting healed. And the doctors are like flipping out saying, we have to get together and figure this out because we, we don't know what's going on here. They basically written this lady off. And someone stood behind this lady during a worship set and was playing a flute. And the power of God came down and the lady got healed. Home Depot a couple of weeks ago, a guy got here. We're starting to see it. We're still seeing saints dying in their sickness and all that. We're contending for these things, but I believe the increase is going to be an increase in power and authority, and we're called to walk in this awareness of where God would have us and what he'd have us to say and who he'd have us to pray for, and we will see more. And I, I read again uh, of, of Terry Nichols' mom's testimony of, of healing. We were in a prayer group with a bunch of friends from California, and this woman was going, she was an older lady, she was downhill, 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 uh, diab she had uh, Alzheimer's, she had heart stuff, she had, she, also, they were, she was sucking ice cubes. She, she had failed the swallow test, she had lost 20 pounds in two weeks. Now she's eating hamburger, uh, cheeseburgers. And, and, and Coke. And drinking Coke. And, and Alzheimer's is gone. And, and, all, and, all her, and all her numbers are normal. And the doctors don't know what to do. Okay? This is the season that we're coming into. This is the truth. Joel spoke truth. Peter stood up and spoke truth. And he says, these are the things that are going to happen. This is the day of increase. These are days of increase. But we have to be speaking truth. We have to be more convicted about truth than ever. A great Old, Test Old Testament example of what happens to a person, even nutcase, I have zero here, I don't know what, cello, cello out in my notes, but a, comprom a compromising sellout was the nutcase, Balaam, who Joshua ends up executing. Okay, so he didn't end well. He was a nutcase. He was a prophetic prostitute prophet. But God's spirit came upon him, the spirit of truth. And what does Balaam say? He tells us, remember when we were in the Ezekiel study and we're talking about uh, um, Gog? 
which most many translations have there instead of Agag, Balaam gets rocked by God. And Balaam, uh, chapter 24, which is critical to the end times understanding, ba- uh, verse 2, and Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes. He had been hired to curse them. And what happens to this nutcase? And the Spirit of God came upon him. Then he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. That's the Spirit of God. And he's prophesying about God. He was prophesying about the Armageddon campaign. This is what God wants us to be doing now. Is, and we're called to be walking in this all the time. But Pilate, John 18, verse 37. Pilate there, so Jesus is there. They're mocking him. They're beating him. They're, you know, there's a whole plan. They, the Jews want him executed because he was upsetting their religious apple cart. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Because these people say you're a king. Are you a king? You think you're a king? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. I'm here to bear witness to the truth, and now we're here to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I sit here and I think, God, I want to be more aligned with that. I hear his voice, but I want to hear more. I want more. Pilate said to him, talk about torment. The guy, has the, the, he has an authority of life and death. His countless Roman soldiers, he's in charge of the whole area around in Jerusalem and around that. He's, I'm sure, had people executed on a whim. He's probably seen compromise and deceit and everything else. Pilate said to him, what is truth? It was a, it was a, a moving object for him. There was no truth. Satan's kingdom is the moving object. God's kingdom is established, firm, on holy ground. What is truth? And here he is rocked but standing looking in the eyes of, of the man of truth and he says what is truth and Jesus probably just kept looking at him just looking right through him and when he had said this he went out again to the Jews and said to them I find no fault in him at all <laughs> here's some truth Pilate spoke truth there's no fault in this guy I don't see anything wrong with us what you you take him so then we have this uh, you know we have some teeny type here <clears throat> Which is sort of interesting, too, because, you know, Satan is all about murder, and there's a murderer who's guilty as sin, if you will, and they want him. The Jews wanted Barabbas. It was more convenient, <clears throat> it was more convenient to maintain their religious Jewish culture than to have truth. Pilate then went out again, it says in verse 4, after the teeny type, uh, went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to him that you may know that I find no fault in him. So we see that even Pilate was moved. This is, when you get to a place like that where you can speak into someone, where God puts you in a place, people can be moved. This is a murderer. This is a ungodly murderer. And he's being moved by truth. And sometimes we look at people and we think, Oh, they're hopeless. They're hopeless without you. They're hopeless without you being there. Some of the relationships that we have, there are some people that I know are in life, some billionaires even, who are so bound up in sin and they've gotten there because of sin and they live there 
happily, in, well, they're not happy, but they think they're happy in their sin. And the only hope they have is that I tell the truth. We're not to be intimidated by this world. So here, this is interesting. Here's an account of Pilate being convicted by the truth of Jesus, okay? And, and here's Peter talks in uh, Acts 3. He says, now, now this lame man gets healed because there's an outpouring. Ananias and Sapphira, the outpouring was so heavy on these people that they really didn't lie. We wouldn't call it a lie. We'd call it an exaggeration. If I said I, I, had, I, gave, you, I gave her 10 bucks, but I gave her 8, we'd say, well, you gave her something. But literally, they exaggerated. But an exaggeration that's intentional is a lie. Now, it's funny. When you look, if you listen to the, or read the first three chapters of Mideast Beast, you'll see that there's a lot of hyperbole in Western, in Eastern culture, the way they say things. And so we have to aware that, uh, be aware of that because there's places, even in Scripture, we know. And their word went out to all the earth, or Nebuchadnezzar was king over the whole earth. Nebuchadnezzar was not king over the Mayans. There's hyperbole. It's not necessarily a lie. And, and again, spiritually, you can discern those things. Because some people say, well, the book's not true. The book is very true. Yeah, it's the culture. book is written in that culture. Yes, it's written in the culture. Okay, so meanwhile, we know this lame man was healed. He held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's porch, greatly amazed. They're flipping out. This is what happens when people get healed. This is why if you hear of a healing, speak it. If you're the one who prayed for them, you don't have to take credit, but speak it. You heard it from someone else. Speak it. We do, how, look what's going on in the in the airwaves right now. It's threats. It's brokenness. It's disease. It's even even the story of of God's judgment on earth. But we need to hear the truth of healing. We need to hear that God is moving. God has some coordinated incidences in your life. Speak them. Say it. That's your story. That's your testimony. If if you prayed and suddenly a seat opened up on the plane, that's God's favor. Speak it. These are not secrets. God, say something about your God. As the lame man who was healed. So these people are packed thinking this guy got healed. So the people are packed say, who got healed? That guy who's been crippled. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why are you marveling at this? And he says, our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and denied in the presence of, presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Pilate was convicted of truth. He still succumbed to the, the mob rule, basically, the Oxbow incident, if you will. But basically, this is, this is what happens when truth gets spoken. All these things get set up as tests, judgments, conversion junctures in the lives of the people around us. This is what we want. And Peter tells the crowd outside, but you denied the Holy One and asked for a murderer and killed the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Life. And what happens? He told them truth. In love, and thousands of people got to say, what should we do? Well, now what do we do? And that happened probably over and over again in him, with him. It wasn't just right after the upper room. This, I don't know where the sequence is. It's in Acts Three knows right here. So this is the battle. So we we see successful stories of the in the battle of truth and lies, but it involves saints being so convicted of truth. Right now, Revelation 19. After these things, this is the conclusion of the book. After these things, I heard a loud voice 
of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, a.k.a. Hallelujah. Alleluia. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Why? For truth, for true and righteous are his judgments. They're true. Don't ever dial them down. Don't ever exaggerate them. It's the way it is. Because he has judged a great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said, Alleluia, her smoke rises up forever and ever. The harlot's judgment smoke rises forever and ever. And the 24 elders, and you know, the idea of harlotry is not, I mean, it's, it's sexual, it has a lot of sexual root. We can see what's happening now, even with issues of gender and sex and seed and, and, and God created man and female. So a lot of it is sexual, but the, basically the idea of prostitution is selling out for a price. What's your price? What's your price to lie? What's your price to do this? That's prostituting your values. Balaam was a prostitute. He was a prophetic prostitute. If I pay you enough, the, the king, we were just reading about the king of Syria who was like, uh, uh, he was working with the uh, northern tribes and along come the southern tribes and they stripped the temple to buy his allegiance and, the, and he, like one day, his soldiers are working with the ten upper tribes of Israel and the next day they're fighting against them. Syrians were prostitutes. So this spirit of prostitution is basically a sellout spirit. So don't just, we can't just look at women here. It's not a, this is not a woman issue. It's represented as a woman. Hallelujah. Okay. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. That's us. Same. That's the saints. Raptured up in the clouds forever to be with the Lord. He came down with the ones who were already with him, who had died prior. We're all together, and a roar like thunder is all the saints saying, Hallelujah, to the God who reigns forever and ever. And we're going to think, is that all it took? Is that all it took? Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife, the bride, has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. It's not our other acts. It's only the righteous ones. It's the truth. Then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Now, Satan would come along and say, no, nah, that's not really it. i got another story to tell you. And quite frankly, it gets preached in many churches. It gets preached. It gets taught. Now, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called, what was he called? Faithful and true. He's true. If we forsake him, he continues to be faithful and true. He cannot deny himself. That's what the epistles tell us. He remains that way. He's going to continue to be true. He's not going to become, un he's not going to um, devalue his truth because you're, in, you're having a problem. Or it's really important that you maintain your position at a church. Or you have a song and the lyrics rhyme and it might not be biblically accurate, but what the heck. <laughs> it's true though, right? I mean, it happens. We've seen it. You've got to be careful. 
I was thinking about a Carrie Job song, that one, what is it, how's it go? It's the one that's been rocking the world the last couple of years the ago. The Blessing? The one that's... Uh, the Blessing. The Blessing. And it's interesting because if you, if you look at it <clears throat> within the context of literally Eastern cultural, you know, thousand generations, there hasn't been a thousand generations, by the way. If you do, if you do creation math, that hasn't been a thousand generations. The song is 100% accurate, though. And you know she was challenged by it. And uh, we saw some video one time and she was saying, it's biblical. It was almost like she had to defend. This is from the Word of God. Yeah. She She's saying this is, it is. Yeah. It is, because it's constant warfare against truth. That song is accurate. And there's an anointing on it. Because it is the Word of God. And if God tells you to say something, it doesn't mean it's not going to inspire contradiction and argument and accusation against you. And there are times to say certain things. That's why you have to be spirit-led. It's not just blurting truth out all the time. This is a time to keep your mouth shut. But we have to be speaking truth. His eyes were like a... Okay, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. We all have secret names with God. That's the, in, that's the intentionality of a God who's so jealous over you individually. That there's names that you have that everybody knows. There's names that you have that some know. There's a name between you and God that he knows, and you know, and he's not going to share it with anybody. And he, you know when he calls you. That's the glory of having intimacy with God. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and we know that's the Isaiah story, the one coming up out of Basra. It wasn't his blood. It wasn't the blood of the martyrs. It was, it was, it was the blood of the ones he came to judge. And his name is called, one of his names that everybody knows, not the secret name, is the word of God. So if he's true, if he's, then it means the book's true. The righteousness and true one is called by the name Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and we know what the sword is. The sword is the Word of God. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. Oh, with it he will strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He's going to rule the nations. So we know, eschatologically, there will still be nations when he comes back. We know that going into the millennium. It coordinates with everything else that we've heard Saturday mornings. And of course, it's in the word of God. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. That is not a groom simply coming back for a wedding. There's a whole lot of stuff that has to get sorted out. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then it says, the little heading in your Bible usually says something like, the beast and his armies defeated. It's the Armageddon campaign. Here's me campaigning. Please, at least, I wrote, it says at least, at least, please read chapters 1, 2, and 3 of that book. You'll be so happy, and I'll be happy. If you don't read it, you're fine as we go into the Daniel study. Truly, you'll be absolutely fine. There's no demerits, okay? Well, I'm just saying it'll just help you. It'll, it'll, it'll warm up the old tubes on that black and white TV. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God. It's really a very destructive, they're basically eating bodies, they're eating flesh. They're eating the part of the cleanup that we have looked at before in the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Zechariah. There's going to be war on earth at the conclusion of this. It's going to be 
a lot has to occur because they're not going to be turning over the kingdoms of the world happily to him. Now, Joel uh, Richardson really says something great, which I have to keep remembering, and that is it doesn't, like even when they say the alls, there's a couple of alls and you say every kingdom, and he believes, and a lot of it's not clear, a lot of it's still cloudy, is every kingdom on earth, every nation going to be fully um, uh, ruled? By the Antichrist, the answer is probably no. Will his impact be in all the nations? The answer is most likely yes. Is why we're contending for America, because we're praying that the uh, impact of Satan in here is as minimal as possible? The answer is yes. Why do you maybe join a political pack? Why do you speak truth? Why do you pray about who you might vote for? Not voting is never an answer, by the way, because you're immediately giving over to something. Neither party is the holy party. Neither one of them. They both have pl there's plenty of mudslinging on both sides of the aisle. That's not the issue. But line up with what's least blasphemous and make your choices there. But we're accountable to say, God, what would you have me to do? Then the beast, the destructive, devouring beast, gets, was captured. And with him, the false prophet, meaning a deceiving prophet, is going to be a massive spirit of prophetic deception on earth. It's on earth right now. Right now it's on earth. It's not just coming. We're not waiting. This is the problem. When you kick the eschatological can down the road, I'll be out of here before all this happens. Oh, I really feel bad for my great-grandkids. Everybody wants to kick the can down the road. It can't be happening in my day, but 15 years ago we would have said this wouldn't be happening. Yeah. It's ludicrous. I've told you before, I have one pastor says to me, everything you taught years ago is happening. It's it's because it's in the book. It's not like I'm so creative. It's in the book. It's, we, this is what we're told. So th we have a destructive, devouring beast, and we have a deceiving false prophet who works signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast. It's all about deception. That's a, that means it's a lie. And those who worshipped his image, these two were cast alive into the lake, the fire burning with brimstone. Now you can say, well, where's Satan? Well, we know Satan's story concludes a thousand years later. And the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, okay, the destructive devouring beast is captured, the false prophet who deceives, who work wonders in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image, these two were cast alive into the lake, the fire burning with brimstone. We're not dealing with Satan right here. Yeah. We're dealing with the ones who, are, in essence, have been anointed by Satan. Yeah. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. And behold, I am coming quickly. So John sees <laughs> this play out, sees the destruction of these spiritual demons and now he's, he's saying this is what Jesus is telling me behold I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work how do we work what's our work is it deceptive or is it true I'm the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end the first and the last blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city but outside are dogs and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Practicing lies. 
outside. Liars won't get in. You fall into a lie, you repent, just like any other sin. But he says, practicing lies is you have a lifestyle of lies. Don't go there. So how we live on earth will determine the course of our life. So it's interesting because while we're here on earth, it will also determine our eternal destiny. It impacts our life now. If we're living in lies now, life gets harder. Life is hard, and it's harder when you lie. Look what happens in Isaiah 59. How are we doing? We're doing okay time-wise. Yeah. Isaiah 59. Verse 1, behold, and this is interesting because this literally was part of the Jewish lie. Because the prophets wouldn't warn the people to be holy, they would continue thinking we're okay with God, and then there would be judgments on them, oftentimes inflicted by enemy nations that God would use as judgment tools, and they would think God's unable, their gods are stronger than our God. So here in Isaiah 59, Listen to what the prophet says. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is ear heavy that it cannot hear. It's not a limiter of God. The problem's not him, it's us. He says, but here's why things aren't working out right now. They're about to go into captivity here. They're about to do 70 years prison time, if you will, in exile in the, you know, in the Babylonian empire. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sin. That's truth. That's, that's why they hated Isaiah. And your sins have hidden his face from you, which includes, you know, societies living in lies. He's talking to a whole society here. He's not just talking about one man. He's talking about the chosen people here. But they have lies. And they continue to propagate them. And it was easier to believe, believe them. And he says, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Sounds like the world right now. Sounds like our government. Sounds like other governments. Sounds like leaders. Sounds like corporate policy. Lies, lies, lies. And he says, and what it's done is it's established, it's basically opened doors for the demon, the demonic deception, and it's separating people from God. And God's saying, I'm sitting here and I'm truth. You want to hear me? He says, walk in truth. Make a determination in your life you're going to walk in truth. doesn't mean you have to tell everybody everything always. But walk in truth and don't let lies come out of your mouth. You know, running a business. I, I have a business with, uh, it has to do with invention. So a, a client, sometimes they'll, they'll you know, throw out some bait. They go, well, what other company saw this product? I thought, that's none of your business. I don't have to answer that question. I get forms to, it used to be someone on their NDAs, on their disclosure forms. Uh, who else has seen this? I thought, get out of town. I don't have to say everything to everybody, but I won't lie. I won't lie, and people know I don't lie. The scriptures that provoked our Israeli friend Rick Winicky to construct a fountain of tears in a rod, and now also in Poland, okay? I sent you a YouTube link, a real cool one, and it interviews him, and he has a little bit of his salvation story in it. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears. Jeremiah was right there during the invasion. He goes, I just want to weep for my people. This is the heart of the problem. This is the heart. This is, should be our heart when we speak truth and things come to pass and they're hard on our families or they're hard on our nation. Our, the test of the prophet being validated by trouble should result in our hearts being broken for the people suffering for their sin. 
not go get him, God. That I may weep and day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had a, in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers, that I may leave my people and go from them. And, they, and he was saying, I'm disgusted with the climate, but my heart breaks for the destruction that they're suffering. For they are all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men, and like their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. They are not valiant for the truth on the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, says the Lord. Everyone take heed to his brother, and do not trust any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanderers. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies, and they wear themselves to commit iniquity. Your dwelling place is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, says the Lord. This is a choice we have to make. This, is, this has to do with brothers. It has to do with neighbors. It has to do with situations where lies get propagated and actually worshipped. And this is our battleground. And what we're witnessing right now with astonishing velocity, astonishing intensity, and, aston and astonishing frequency is the acceleration of satanic work on earth. So we, one is we ought not be surprised. We should be pained by it. In other words, we never want to get so callous. We go, oh, there goes another lie. Oh, there goes some more perversion. Oh, there. When that's never to be. Our hearts should remain tender. But God will keep our hearts tender. But we're to understand this is where we're going right now. We're seeing it happen, and it's happening so quickly. And it's eventually going to be in full bloom right before the Lord returns. That will justify his righteous judgment. Those lies are manifest, they manifest in church and families and medical community and business and government. Manifest every place because his work is coming out. The things that you read, we don't know what to trust anymore other than God, which is actually okay. Our aware, and that's that whole Hebrews punchline of shaking heaven and earth, the Haggai story. He says everything's going to be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will remain. All the lies will come crumbling. They're, they're crumbling now. It's why our, our economy, you can't, you can't run an economy. On, on trillions of dollars. Someone, I read something, someone sent it out recently, on what a trillion something means. And it was, remember, I think it was Derek who sent it out. It was like, just to put trillion into perspective, it was like insanity. Trillions of dollars of debt, and there's nothing backing it up. And, we're, and it's a house of cards, and the nations are controlling each other. They all hate each other. No one trusts anybody. They speak lies at the same table, which is one verse in the book of Daniel about two uh, despots who hate each other, but they're partners in crime. I mean, it's madness, and we're going to see more of it right now. And truth is going to be our weapon of choice, really. It's going to be the weapon that speaks the truth of God out. And what does Paul say here? I love this. Look what happens here in verse 6, and then we'll go back. It's 2 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So he's going to be talking about some kind of obedience, he's got, disobedience. He's talking, of, he's, we're going to read from 1 down to 6, and he's going to be talking about a massive conflict in the heavenly realms. He's going to posture us so we understand the truth of where the real battle is. It's not mankind. But it's really, it's in this place of demonism that's driving people, that's alluring people, that's deceiving people. And it's ready. God actually has given us weapons that are more powerful than those strongholds. 
but they're waiting for our obedience to be fulfilled. He's, aw he's awaiting you to be certified <laughs> for an outpouring of authority. He's waiting for a church who is surrendered, who is not sitting there saying, um, you know, at the end in Revelation, it says that the, the two witnesses have power to call fire down from heaven whenever they want. How could that be? How could they, whenever they want? Remember the disciples said, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven? He says, you don't know what spirit you're of. He says, you don't get it yet. But then he says the two witnesses are able to call it whenever they want. It's their will. Wanting means you're exercising your will. Those two guys are so in line and so surrendered, so personally willless, that only God's will is what's driving them. So he says, I can, I can, your obedience is fulfilled. That's what he's waiting to do. That's the outpouring of Joel. Now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. He says, I'm really, I'm on my knees pleading with you, who in, pre who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent, I'm writing a scorching hot letter. Because, I'm, trust me, I'm pleading, but you've got to hear this, guys, because this is life and death. This is the salvation of communities, family, culture. This is it. I'm bold in this letter, but I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which you intend to be bold against some. What's that? Which but, but I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. He says, I run into buzzsaws of contradiction and, and resistance all the time. He says, I'll be bold when I got to be bold. Does it offend you? Tough noogies, he's saying. I'd rather offend you now. Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? For though we walk in the flesh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. That's truth. Does it mean you don't go to this? military service you don't defend your house not necessarily but he's saying the real battle is not in the flesh it's a spiritual battle we're in it every single minute of the day for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they're not physical they're not of the flesh but mighty in god what's their purpose so we have a gun collection a spiritual gun collection no so we can have a parade and we show bring the troops out and everybody fears us no the weapons of a warfare are not, are not carnal, but mighty in God, the purpose being for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds have to get pulled down. So we will look, and in the natural, it looks like these strongholds cannot be pulled down. He says, yes, they can. That's why I'm trying to anoint you. I'm trying to anoint you. I want to anoint you, but you have to be in this place of surrender. You've got to be walking in truth. I've got to be your God all the time. Happy are the people who have made God Lord of their life. They don't just know him, but they've said, you're the Lord of my life. I want to, I want to, you're my master. I want to serve my master. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That's the purpose. Casting down, this is not just being out on the street yelling at someone and throwing scripture at him, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's spiritual. That's a spiritual. It might manifest in the natural, but that's the spiritual. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what the, the weapons of our warfare have that much potential. 
So what's the, you know, how do I get the safety off this, <laughs> this gun? This this semi-auto that I have. How do I? What's the safety? How do I remove it? So how can I pull the trigger and make all this power happen? Being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience, not when it reaches a higher level on earth. He's saying it's it's going to happen anyway. But I'm trying to equip you for spiritual warfare by your obedience through your obedience. I will give you more. As you become faithful and prove yourself, I love you, you're totally saved, you're not going to get more saved, you're not going to get loved anymore, you're doing great, I love you, but there's more. But I'm trying to get you to a place where I can entrust you with authority and power. If you'll surrender to this and you'll walk in truth and without compromise, he says you'll have the power to tear down the strongholds that are binding up your families, binding up the business you work in binding up your community, whatever it is. He says, the more you walk in, the more the strongholds will tear down. And you might not understand how that happens. I don't know either. But things can shift. The atmosphere, people say that the atmosphere can shift when you walk in a room. Something can be different because you walked in. So from the beginning of the book of God to the concluding chapters of the book of God, truth and lies are at war with one another. We see where and even who is the author of truth, and in fact, who is truth? Happens to be Jesus, only Jesus. And we see who's the father of lies. And we're done. God, thank you. Lord, help us here, God. You have equipped us, called us. It is so startlingly evident, Jesus, that, that the, the lies are permeating everything, God. They're screaming. They're being trumpeted like a, God, like, a, like sirens, God, like air raid sirens uh, right from hell. God, lies, lies about each other, lies about truth, lies about our physical bodies, our finances, our marriages, our fellowships. God, help us, Jesus, that we would surrender to your truth, God. We would be convicted, God. We would recognize your word. We would tremble at the truth of your word. We would be so uh, lit up, God, with your presence, God, that we could do damage to the kingdom of darkness, Lord. We want to do damage, God. We have seen damage done. God, we've lost friends. We've lost family. God, we've lost so much. We've seen the ruin and the destruction that comes from the destroyer. And God, we are so tired of it, God. We're tired of burying saints before their time. We want to see more healings. God, we're asking you to pour out your spirit on your people. God, let this be the, uh, the outpouring, God, that we get to this place of wanting your truth. You are truth, Jesus, and your word is truth. We bless you. We thank you for saving us, God. There was no way out for us. We were condemned. We were damned. We were lost. Some of us were searching for you, God. Many of us didn't even know to search for you. And here we are, God, being able to look anybody in the eye and saying we're a son or daughter of the king. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you've done in our lives. Thank you for the ones who've been influenced by us in our imperfection. But God, going forward, God, we want to grow in the knowledge and an understanding of what you're doing in us, for us, through us, to us, and what is happening on earth, God, so that we could rescue as many as possible, God, in your name, God. And so we open up our mics, we unmute our mics, God, so we could, we could say amen together, God, saying, signifying and designating, Lord, that we're in agreement with all of your plans and all of your purposes, Jesus. And your saints said, Amen. 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 So we say yes. So we say yes.
So we say yes, so we say yes. Is anybody out there saying yes to God? 